good morning again, everyone. I'm glad to see you here today, and I hope that your holiday season is going well. Happy New Year's Eve. How many of you plan to, to stay up till the ball drops in New York tonight? Anyone? All right, just a couple. All right. A lot of early birds. That's good. Uh, 7.30. That's, that's pushing it, maybe. <laughs> Oh, but I am glad to see you here today. You know, today, especially being at the end of the year, it's a time of the year where we celebrate change. Quite often we usually look back at the years prior and kind of reflect on the things that have happened through the year and we look forward to some of those uh, resolutions or what the new year might bring. You know, do you ever go back through and look at this past year and think of the goals that you had set at the beginning of the year and see how many you've accomplished? Maybe how many you let go by the wayside. Or maybe you think back to this past year and see how maybe there were some curveballs thrown in that you weren't anticipating or expecting and you've had to respond, react, and, and adjust to those things. You know, as you reflect back on 2023, or any year for that matter, do you ever reflect on maybe a word that would describe your year? In some years it could be a, a good term, some years it could be a lamenting, sorrowful type of term. You know, as I did that for this year, what frequently came to my mind was the word sweet. Throughout this year, I've experienced a lot of different things. Throughout this year, there was just a level of sweetness mixed in with everything that was going on in my life whether that was new roads of diagnosis, lost of loved ones, whether it's reflecting on the, the meetings and the discussions that we've had as a church going on with the denomination, whether that's being able to have a sabbatical this year, hitting some milestones with the kids. I can't even count the miles in an airplane and a car that we traveled this year. being able to see more of God's wonderful creation with them and making memories. Time spent with Andrea. You know, whether I may perceive things as good or bad, the Lord has been constantly sweet this year with how he has met with me. It's a year that I've grown a lot, where I've healed in a lot of different areas as well. Now, as I look forward to what might be coming in this next year, and we begin to make plans, we begin to make resolutions, or we look at our lives and think about how to take steps to move forward in different areas to make some improvements, we're aware of some of the challenges that face us. But do we look with anticipation with what's coming? You know, this season with the new year and making these resolutions are a time where we reflect and we shoot for the moon in a lot of ways. We make these grandiose plans and these ideas of, of how we're going to do things. But we're also not naive, and we know that there's going to be challenges, that there's going to be barriers, there's going to be hurdles in life. And when you face those, usually there's a few options. You know, you can, you can approach them boldly and face them head on. Uh, you can cower in front of them, not knowing what to do. Or you can kind of be patient, waiting for discernment and the right timing from the Lord to know how to handle the situation. 
And probably you're going to face some things where you're going to have a mixture of all three. And those are just three that stuck out in my mind. There could be other options as well. Now, as we look for this next year, there's no surprise that we're going to have some changes in store for us as a church. It will have some hurdles that we will need to climb over, some barriers that we're going to have to address, and some challenges that will prove to be difficult, but also perhaps show us where our heart's desires are and where our motives lie. And as your fearless leader, of course I know everything that we need, need to do and have everything in control. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. But it is interesting to see how the Lord has grown me in this area in the last six months, and even over the last couple of years through the conversations that we've been having through this process. And it's been fun to be able to try our best to faithfully follow where the Lord leads. You know, back before sabbatical, the Lord showed me a sermon series to work on. And I was getting pretty pumped and excited about it, and I was going to plan to do it for the fall. And then after sabbatical, the Lord just told me to pause. He said, no, just wait a little bit. So we went through Colossians, and we looked at purpose a little bit more for a Christian. And I thought, all right, after I get that done, after Advent, we'll get into this sermon series. Even though I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go, I know the books that we're going to cover, it's going to be great. But again, the Lord told me to pause as things started to come into my heart and mind surrounding vision and purpose for the church. Now, it's cool for me to be able to see how the Lord's timing is different than my own. Even though I want to do all of these things and I get excited about it, I have to be open to when the Lord says to wait. As a pastor, perhaps more so as my personality, as a, as a man here, I, I like to know the plans. And I may like to control the plans from time to time. But you know, not knowing perhaps the direction that he wants me to go individually, but faithfully taking those steps forward is, is something that I've come into this year in a stronger way. And I came into this week knowing that I was gonna have limited time for the message because of the holidays, because of travel, and knowing that, you know, I had a, an initial thought of what I wanted to share concerning resolutions, concerning vision for the church. And I watched how God expanded that over this week and just brought something completely different than what I had expected. And it's, again, sweet. Um, I'm not sure how long this little mini-series is going to be. I'm not sure the complete direction of it. But it's going to be kind of exciting to see what's going to come up by the end of the month and what's going to be in store for us. I'm only confident enough to take one step at a time with this, knowing that he will fill in the gaps. It's both scary and exciting as you take those steps. So I want to let you into my thought process a little bit. Being the new year, um, having usually thoughts on travel and, and holidays, our minds can be distracted. A lot of times we're thinking about resolutions, so I thought, you know, I'll just do a simple message on resolutions and change and tie it into what we're going through as a church. Just, we're done, move on to the next week. Thought it was going to be pretty simple. And I started praying for this message, or this Sunday about three weeks ago, and the Lord very quickly put two different passages on my heart and mind. The first was to talk about Elijah, which we will be in 1 Kings today if you want to start moving that way. Um, 1 Kings 19, and, he, and he, he was like, you know, just 
think about Elijah, the small, still voice, listening to God's voice for direction. Thought, yeah, that's, that's simple. I can do that one. It'd be quick. It'd be easy. It's positive. It's a good message. The second passage that he showed me was in 1 Samuel, talking about Saul and how he goes to the medium for direction, and he's trying to find Samuel, who is already dead. My thought was, yeah. I mean, it's kind of different approaches to how they're looking for direction, but only kind of when you really look at the context and the stories. But that message was one more about warning in terms of being careful of where we're um, going to for direction and discernment. Um, you know, being careful about just wanting answers so that we can move forward because we're in a hurry. You know, tying that to a little bit earlier when, when Saul just goes ahead and does the sacrifices on the altar because he's impatient and they're in the middle of battle and they don't wait for Samuel to come. And he's punished because of that decision. You know, I, I looked at both of these passages and I looked at the parallels in my own life. And I definitely felt the pressure of being a leader, being a pastor, and having to guide and lead us well through this season. So as I'm preparing the opening to the message for this week, I'm writing about all of these things that we need to consider as a church and as a body over the next four weeks and how we're really going to be up against it as a leadership team to try to get things done, to try to get things ready for the next steps and debating in my head whether or not people truly understand what we're doing or they just magically think that the vote is going to solve all of our problems and everything's going to be hunky-dory after that. And I'm just freaking out. And the Lord just says, read the context of 1 Kings again. And I do, and I just, I laugh. His timing, his sense of humor, it's so wonderful. You know, and I just paused. And I thought, you know, maybe it's just in the movies, but do you ever have that time in your life where you're freaking out about something and somebody just slaps you across the face and says, pull it together, man? You know, that's what the word did to me this week. And it was, again, so funny to see how the Lord's timing fits. You know, when I, when I look at the next couple of weeks, I want to walk through a couple of areas in scripture with you. And I want to talk about vision. I want to look at what is coming forward for our church in this next year and beyond. And today we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to read the first eight verses. So if you'd like to join me there, you may stand as we read God's word this morning. Beginning in verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel, Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with his sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. 
And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, and ate, and drank, and went in the strength of that food for forty days and forty nights to Horeb, to the mount of God. Father, as we go to your word today, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truths and that you would give us the eyes to see your truth and the ears to hear your spirit working. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe seated. Now I have joked in the past about this passage with its importance of having a nap and a snack with our attitudes or our grumpiness and how important that these two things are. But this passage this week really resonated with me for what I've been going through, what I've been feeling, because of of the context. You know, you think about the context of this chapter. Obviously, it's before it in chapter 18 where we see this tremendous event that you have on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the 400 prophets of Baal. And you, and you look through this, and you can see the confidence, you can see the assurance that Elijah has that, that God is going to prove himself to be real in front of all of these people. You know, and when you scan over that, you know that there's definitely some Israelites, there's probably about a thousand people watching this, you have Obadiah and all of the other prophets, you have Israelites that are, that are kind of half in, half out, You know, they're very weak in their faith. They're not really sure what's going on. They're being oppressed by this wicked king and queen and Ahab and Jezebel. And they're watching this whole thing. But you can see that Elijah's faith in God, it's real, it's palpable. And God shows up in strong ways. I mean, I love chapter 18. Within this whole ordeal, you have all of these people around. And you have these 400 prophets of Baal who have swords, who have daggers. And we know this because they're slitting themselves as they're dancing around, crying out for Baal to call fire down. And and there's blood gushing everywhere. And you have all of these people that have swords. And at any time they can turn and just kill Elijah. But they don't. And in that entire account, you see, it doesn't record anywhere that it says that Elijah feared at any moment during that time. You know, and as he is surrounded by these prophets, they could, again, take his life, but he doesn't have that inkling at all. He has a complete trust in God. And then you get to chapter 19, where our passage starts, and you have Jezebel who has this decree. She makes this oath, basically. It's either your life or my life. And he fears and runs away. Here's a prophet of God who just faithfully witnessed all of these things happened, and he fears. Now, did he have a good reason to fear? Again, you look at the account, you look back up what just happened, and you think, well, no. You just saw all of this stuff happen. You are a prophet of the one true God. God is on your side. Why are you fearing? You just saw all of these miraculous things happen. You just went through a drought for so many years and God miraculously feeds you throughout that whole time. How are you fearing? He must be crazy. Well, understanding a little bit more of the context, you have to understand that, you know, obviously Jezebel is all about Baal and 
persecuting any Israelite that follows Yahweh. She has killed or had killed many prophets throughout the time. Obadiah is seen hiding different prophets in the caves of Mount Carmel, a hundred different prophets. Even though he's kind of half in, half out, he also sits on the court with Ahab as kind of a prophet of God. You know, but, but she and Ahab are vicious to those that follow Yahweh. So he's fearing for his life. In the next section, we're going to read that he, he claims that he's the only prophet left. Even though that's not true, it's being a little bit overly dramatic. And again, even though he had so many miracles surrounding his ministry, even though he just witnessed this tremendous scene on Mount Carmel, he fears and ran. This was Elijah, one of the greatest prophets to have lived. How do we compare? I mean, not that we're really supposed to compare faith and things like that, but often we think about that kind of thing. How do we compare with him in faith and in ministry, and yet we're expected to handle the pressures that we face? You know, are there, are there things that happen in our life, things in the unknown that can produce fear and tempt us to run away? Whether that's a diagnosis, bills, a loss of a job, death of a loved one, changes in an organization. Fear can come suddenly as an attack and we too can run and hide. We could be paralyzed by fear not knowing what we should do. I laughed this week as I read over this context because as I was searching for answers with vision and and articulating that, I resonated with Elijah. Even though I have watched God do some amazing things this year and it has been so sweet, even though I've walked through uncomfortable situations and processed through some pain and hardships, I would not have seen what was coming for this year at the start. And he has shown up in marvelous ways. Yet as I look to this next year, I feel an overwhelming sense of pressure with this thought to just hide, to run. Because, I mean, if Elijah could do it, why couldn't I? And I had that thought even knowing that Elijah was in the wrong, even knowing that Elijah wasn't doing the right thing before his Lord and God. Knowing that in my own life, each moment has had opportunities within it to trust in the Lord and walk in his ways or to turn to the side. You know, and sometimes we do fall and fail as Elijah does, but most of the times we're being strengthened by the Spirit. We're being made into the image of Christ. And that is encouraging to us as we take steps forward in our faith, knowing more of who God is. Now with, with this kind of point in particular, we'll address it a little bit more next week as I break down more vision type questions as we look at why Elijah is wrong in what he is doing here. But uh, you know, as I share the wrestling journey of my own life, I'm hoping that you can resonate a little bit in terms of understanding how fear can creep in how fear can paralyze us as we're trying to follow the Lord because there's, it's gonna come in waves where it can overtake us and we need to be able to help each other to see the truth of what the word says, to equip each other and walk in, in his light as we face these real challenges, as we face these real things that are going on in our own lives. 
So when we look in the word, we see how Elijah flees to Beersheba. And then he goes about a day further alone into the wilderness. Now, the meaning of wilderness is going to be kind of our second point today. Wilderness is mostly barren, uninhabited. It would usually be seen as a place of reflection, of wandering, and even of sin. And I think the, the use of wilderness here really expresses where Elijah is in his heart and his mind. He's lost in direction. He doesn't know what to do. You know, Spurgeon describes this whole thing as saying that Elijah is retreating before a beaten enemy. You know, it's similar to the fashion of how Peter is walking on water, and then as soon as he takes his eyes off of Christ, begins to sink, and he fears because his eyes are off of God. In the same way, Elijah is fearing because he's taking his eyes off of God, and it's driving him into the wilderness. And you look at his cry here. He says, it is, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life. Take away my life, for I am no better than my forefathers. So we see, he, he's given up. He's ready to be done. He's ready to retire. He's ready to die. Enough is enough, Lord. Take me. I mean, this is the power of fear. It can warp. It can twist reality in our hearts and minds. You know, there was a band that I listened to as a teen in my early 20s, and it really, I really resonated with it and the lyrics just because of what they were going through. And more recently, they've had some more positive songs that came out. Um, and I, again, resonated with it because I enjoy this lead singer's singing ability, the, the connection that he has to just draw out real life in lyrics. It's a band called Blue October. And some of the lyrics to his song, Fear, says this. It says, fear in itself will reel you in and spit you out over and over again. Now fear, fear itself, can use you up and it breaks you down like you are never enough. I used to fall, but now I get back up. And I breathe and I ask for more. If I am bitter still, I ask him to help me carry on. You know, and I love those lyrics because it shows the reality of what fear can do in a person's life. And we see how Elijah finds himself in the wilderness and he is saying these things. His fear is showing. Now perhaps he's saying all of these things like he's no better than his forefathers because he feels like he's a failure because he's failed, he's failed to keep firm in his faith. He realizes that he has feared somebody other than God, that he feared Jezebel. You know, I'm not sure exactly why he's saying that he is like his forefathers. But Elijah is, is wrestling in mighty ways with unworthiness. And as Christians, I think it's a wrestle that we oftentimes can go through as well, especially as we struggle with sin. And, and, you know, one of the ways that the enemy plants that kind of seed in our life is by using fear. Even though we know the truth that when we sin, we are to repent. We are to turn back to God, seeking that forgiveness. But we can play into the enemy's hands and walk in, in fear at times in our life. You know, the enemy can use a lot of things to produce that fear in our hearts and mind. When in turn, we need to, we need to turn to God in repentance. He can push us to do things where maybe we're not seeing the consequences. 
Maybe we're reacting or responding in ways that are not godly, where we are rushed. So when we think about you know, this next year, when we think about the, the coming years in our lives, you know, whether we're talking about church things, whether we're talking about family things or work things, we can't allow fear to run rampant in our hearts and minds. We can't allow that to take control because it can lead us to the wilderness where we're forsaking the life that we've been given by God. But we need to remember perfect love casts out fear. We need to remember who Christ is in our life. We need to remember our salvation, what we've been saved from and what we're saved unto. That we are resting in his love and being faithful to his leading. Not going down the road where the enemy would be leading. Now the next thing within this wilderness that we see is Elijah taking a nap. Now I'm positive that he is completely exhausted at this time. I'm sure that his mind and his body are just so tired. So tired that he just, he falls asleep. Um, And I'm sure that he is completely exhausted because he has two naps. When was the last time that you had two naps in a day? When you weren't sick or you didn't have COVID or something like that? I struggled just getting one nap in, but two naps in a day. Hmm. So he rests. Then an angel comes, gives him food. This shows a continuation of God providing sustenance to him. Again, his ministry starts off with the raven bringing him food. Then he stays with the widow through the drought. God continues to provide in the most basic ways. And it's awesome to see that. And you think about how God provides for us in the most basic ways. Sometimes as we live in America, we can overlook that pretty simply. Because we see our pantries full of food or fridges, and we think, I did that. I provided all of those things. My job provided that. My money provided that. I, I got this type of food because I enjoy it. Think back to maybe times where maybe that wasn't the case, where you didn't always know where the next meal was coming from. Maybe you're in a place like that now where you're scrounging by and you don't know where the next meal is coming from or how the next bill is going to get paid. Do we still trust that God can provide in the most basic ways? Or do we see our bills not being paid or our stomachs being full and think, no, God can't do that? Or our fridges being full, no, I do that. See, there's dangers on both ways. We have to have this understanding that God provides what we need in his timing. And that's not always an easy thing. But is our dependence fully on God? Even in the wilderness of our lives, God will provide. Now, the third point that we see is that God has a journey for Elijah that is too great for him. And he's going to be sustained again and he has to go. Now this trip would be 40 days and 40 nights. Perhaps you're already tying together some of the symbolic nature between, behind the number 40. And you can see how this can be connected to how Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years due to their lack of faith, due to their lack of trusting in the Lord. And here's Elijah who is going to go through the wilderness for 40 days. He's going to be going to a specific place. He's not going to necessarily be wandering. And it's due to the fact that he had fear and ran away rather than trusting in God. Because you see, normally this route that he's going to be taking would take 14 days to do. But he's going to be doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. 
again, very symbolic for their Israelites' wanderings for their unbelief. I think in the same way Elijah is going to be disciplined through this time for his unbelief. You can also make the connection to Noah and the 40 days and the 40 nights and how God was judging the earth for their sin. You know, Elijah's journey to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, in his mind, he's trying to search out Yahweh. He's looking for direction, and, and he knows the history. He knows that, you know, Yahweh shows up to Moses as he's herding sheep around Mount Sinai, and he gives him the law on Mount Sinai. So Elijah's going to go there, and he's going to meet with God, and he's going to give God a piece of his mind. Because things didn't go the way that Elijah had thought. You have this, you have this awesome moment where God shows up in the real in the realness of the fire coming down from heaven, burning up that sacrifice. And you have Israelites standing around saying, Yahweh is the Lord. Yahweh is the Lord. And he's thinking that this is going to be a time of revival, that people are going to come to faith, they're going to overthrow this king and this queen who are wicked, and it's just going to be great because they're going to love God again. He's, he's, he's gone through the program, he's gone through the steps, and he's going to make this church and this people just thrive. Nothing. Everybody's still complacent. Everybody's still fearful. Everybody, even though they say that God is real, nothing really changed in their hearts and minds. Instead, Jezebel's gonna call for his life. And Elijah's thinking, what are you doing, Lord? Why are you letting your people do this? And he's going to go and he's going to give God a piece of his mind. He's going to chide God. But in reality, as we'll see next week, it's Elijah that's going to be told what the reality is. We're going to see how his lack of faith will bring a judgment upon him as well. You know, so oftentimes we find ourselves at various points in our life on this journey. And along the way, how often do we find ourselves in that same type of driver's seat? Well, we got both hands on the wheel and we're in control. Speed limit says 70, I'm gonna go 80 because that's what I wanna do. Get out of my way, you slow drivers. I did drive eight, 10 hours because of slow, well, yeah. Yesterday was a little frustrating. But those times in life where we grip the wheel and we want to do what we want to do, where's God in those decisions? Are we seeking him in those types of situations? How many times do we find ourselves complaining about our life? Complaining because we know what's best. You know, in those moments, we're not really seeking God. We're wanting God to bless what we want to do. We need to be honest with that. We need called out for that. We still have pride and selfishness that we're dealing with. And the Lord is patient. He is gracious. He is merciful. You know, when we're demanding our consumerist ways, when we're wanting religion to be what we want it to be about and our preferences, we're in the wrong. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. We need to go to those mountains to seek repentance. Not to tell God what for. You know, this year is going to be a year of opportunity to seek the Lord. 
to see how he wants to use this church body. Not just the members, not just the volunteers, not just the leadership. Everyone. We all make up the body. We all have an opportunity as believers to serve the one true God because that's what he calls us to do. To where when we're reading this, it's not just, you know, it's not just a cute thing that we read on Sundays. If this doesn't have an application in our life, if this isn't changing our life, what are we doing as a body? We have an opportunity this year to, to complete the mission and the commands of what God has and, and to refocus our hearts and minds on that. Understanding that we are to be disciples who go make disciples, who are then capable of making other disciples. When you look at your life right now, who are you discipling? Who's discipling you? Who are you walking through life with? Can you name those people? Can you name their struggles? Can you name their joys? When, we, when I look to this next year and I, I think about vision and I think about how we want to move as a church, how we want to serve him faithfully in holiness and in truth with love and compassion, not swaying to the right or the left, but staying focused, creating a vision that we can all come on board with, with goals to accomplish that, with a mission to understand as one body, not just as a pastor, not just as a worship team, but united. Think about that this week. What is the vision of our church currently? What about our mission statement? What would you want the vision to look like? You know, over the last few years, there hasn't been a lot of clarity about vision. But my hope is that as we start somewhat new, that we can rally around a vision to where messages, where ministries help support that vision. Where we all understand the mission that we have as believers, as disciples of God. Not just to come to a church building on Sundays and then we're good, but what it means to walk in a way worthy of the grace that we've received. Unpacking all of the spiritual truths and knowledge. What does that look like? What do you, what do you need in your life to meet those goals? How can we support one another through those times? These are the types of questions that I want to ask of you. I want feedback from. Because we want to do this together. We want to understand how to continue to take those steps together. You know, this next year looks like it can be daunting in a lot of ways. It looks challenging to the point where it can cause some fear where it can come into our hearts and make us want to run out into the wilderness. Make us want to give up. Because we're trying to do things in our own power. When in the reality of it, when we look at church, it is supposed to be done in the spirit of God. Where we lean not on our own understanding, but on his word and his truth. Understanding that it is his spirit that fills us and empowers us and allows us to love one another well. You know, as we're strengthened by the spirit of God, as we understand that he is the one that is sustaining us, providing for us each and every day, 
We have to be ready for this journey that he's going to be calling us on because each one of us will, are called into service. Each one of us will need to be responding in order to lift up your brother and sister in Christ. You know, and when you think about the journey that we're on, yes, there are going to be challenges. But I'm also so very excited. I'm excited to see how the Spirit of God will move among this body in different ways in strong ways, to raise up the next generation, to raise up new leaders. To where this gathering isn't just about me or elders or deacons, but it's about each one of us. You know, as, as we think about the last couple of years and how things might, might have stalled out in some areas, you know, time doesn't slow down. You know, we wanted to put on new Sunday school rooms because we've had an influx of kids. Well, each year those kids get older. Now a lot of them are teens. Some of them are in early 20s. What does a, a singles ministry look like? What does a, a young adults ministry look like for this body to continue to meet some of those needs? For our younger kids, obviously we don't have the space, but what does an Awana program look like? You know, allowing different opportunities for all of us to step up and serve in different ways. Not necessarily always just from a top down, like this is what we're going to do, but understanding how vision can help direct and funnel some of those decisions. Playing into our strengths and weaknesses. Understanding what, what needs to remain to stay faithful to the Lord and to what the word of God says. And still understanding what our goal is in terms of Minden and beyond. Our connections to our Jerusalems, our Judeas, and the rest of the world. Understanding the impact that missions has in our life. To take us out of our little bubble in Iowa. Again, there's so many things that the Lord can put on our hearts and minds. How to articulate that and in a healthy, balanced way, accomplish some of those goals will take all of us. In that time, yes, there might be some moments of fear, especially as you're stepping outside of a comfort zone to serve in ways, I don't think I can do that, Lord. But as you step forward in faith and you watch how he works through you, man, it's so awesome. So that kind of stuff excites me. To help, to help push us to follow him in closer ways. To help come alongside of one another through those hardships, through those challenges, through those times of trials where we can lift each other up, pointing us back to the truth of the Father, understanding who we are in Christ and walking in his spirit and not our own selfishness, fully praising him and glorifying his name forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would give us discernment and wisdom in the coming weeks, that you would help us to understand um, who we are as a body, who you've created us to be as individuals and, and as an entity, and Lord, that we can walk faithfully in that. Lord, help us to serve you first and foremost in our lives. Shine light on those areas of selfishness and pride 
where we are trying to still take control where we're trying to play God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to repent in those times, that we can turn back to your truth and your ways. And Lord, as situations arise where fear can be induced, I pray for peace and calmness in our hearts and minds so that we can rest fully in you. Lord, even though it's hard, even though we might not want to take those steps forward, even though we're faced with things that are insurmountable, Lord, you are with us through it all, and I praise you for that. You're with us through the hardship and the sadness and the sorrow. You're with us through the joys and the, the elation Lord, you are constant. And as things change around us, allow us to just firmly hold on to you, to keep our eyes focused on you. Do not allow fear to lead. Lord, help us to walk in a way that is worthy of the grace that we have received. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.